you turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, we're going to start at verse 19, found on page 1,194. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that is opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Once a year, there's a race called the Echo Challenge. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Maybe you've seen it before. I don't think it's on regular TV. I think now it's only on on cable, but... They call it the world's toughest race. Teams from all around the, the world enter this race, and, and it involves a variety of things, um, hiking and, and rafting and canoeing and walking and running and walking and walking and walking. They walk a lot, hundreds and hundreds of miles. And it's all over the world. Each year the race is held in a different country, in a different place, and it, it involves different activities, and it really is an amazing race to, to watch. These men and women, they overcome incredible challenges. Lack of sleep, hunger, sore muscles, bugs of every kind as they try to get their team across the finish line first. I remember one year watching a team travel through the hot desert, up and down these sand dunes, up and down. The, the sun was blasting and it had to have been at least 110 degrees. Um, they were out of water, a lot of the teams, and Some people were really struggling. And I remember one woman in particular, at one point in the race, she just fell down and she says, I can't go on, I can't go on. And through tears, with her hands on her face, she said, I I just can't go any further. I'm too tired. I can't go on. And without saying a word, the entire team, they, they, they gathered around this woman and they gave her a hug. Not a quick hug like you would do with your in-laws, you know, one of those things you got to do, but this was a, from the heart. <laughs> and, and they hugged her for a couple minutes. This wasn't just for a couple seconds. They, they held on to her, but they never said a word. They just held her. And then eventually, one of the members said, it's okay. You don't have to do it alone. We'll help you. We'll do this together. That's all he said. And with that, Something happened to her, and she stood up, and again, they started to race. I think if we were all honest, we would have to say that there are times when we all feel like this woman, that we're in one of those echo challenges, those races. Because of the challenges you're facing, you grow tired and sore and maybe even discouraged at times. Not only do you feel the weight of life upon your body and mind, but I think it has a way of affecting us spiritually. 
You feel, you feel spiritually drained. And at times you just feel like you can't continue on. You feel like your faith is just smoldering. Every time you feel like you're getting some traction, it, it just seems to disappear and you wonder what is happening to you. You see the faith in other people. You see the enthusiasm in others and it's like, why, why can't I have that? Why is it missing in my own life? You know, and then you get some well-meaning Christians. They'll come by and say to you, oh, you just need to trust in the Lord more. Or you need to pray more. And things will work out for you. And while that's good advice, and, and, and that's everything I just said was true, that's really only half the answer, though, isn't it? Because the other half of that that I think people forget about is that God calls them to be part of that solution. It's not just in what we say, but it's in what we do. And sometimes that's not easy, especially when our lives are busy. You know, the message of Christ's love, it'll seem pretty empty. If we say, you know, God loves you, and then we don't show people love, that's only half of it. The the words we spoke were correct, but then we got to follow through and actually show people the love of Christ. We got to demonstrate it to them. They got to hear it. They got to see it. That's what makes a community strong. Sometimes we got to gather around somebody who's hurting, just like they did in that echo challenge. Someone who's discouraged, somebody who's just having a really hard time, and we need to say to them, it's okay. You don't have to do it alone. We'll help you. We'll face this together. We've got to be willing to say that. We've got to get out of our comfort zone and comfort zone and sometimes approach somebody that maybe we don't even know that well, but the spirit is laid on our hearts. That person is struggling right now. They're having a hard time. Let them know they're not alone, that you care, that you love them. Our text this morning in Hebrews, it comes right after the author has been showing us who Christ is as our high priest and what his shed blood and what his sacrifice means for us. And in this case, that we might approach the throne of God, that the veil in the temple, is, it's been torn in two. We may now enter the Holy of Holies um, because of what Christ has done. And that's that word, therefore, right at the very uh, beginning of our, our text. Um, it's a clue to us that what he's about to say is based on what he has just said. And that's what he's been talking about, the blood, the blood of Jesus. See, we don't need the blood of bulls and, and goats any longer to take away our sins because we now have Christ. And only Jesus can totally take away our sins and make us whiter than snow. As a result of this, we can now do something that no one was able to do except the high priest, and that's enter into the presence of God. That's why always before our time of prayer, we have that time of confession. We're reminded that in Jesus there's forgiveness because then we approach the Lord's throne knowing without a doubt that God is listening, that God will hear us. See, our sin has been forgiven. And so now we can have that sweet fellowship with the Lord once again. And through Jesus, we may approach God's throne something that 
you couldn't do on your own back in the Old Testament. Because of Christ's shed blood, the author in our text makes three exhortations calling us to do three things. And the clue to those three things are those words, let us. And let me read those again. Verse 22, let us draw near to Christ with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold fast with confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then the last one is in verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. It's that last let us that I want to focus on in my message this morning. We live in a society that really values independence and self-sufficiency, where you depend on others only when you absolutely have to. Otherwise, you do it yourself, right? You do it on your own. You don't ask for help. You don't ask for prayer requests. You just do it on your own. And so we need, and so we need to hear that exhortation, that third let us, where it calls us to gather together as God's people. We can't do it alone. But we have to stand together. We have to do that on Sunday in worship, but we also have to do that throughout the rest of the week. And we need to stir one another up to love and to, to good works. This is a call for every believer. I think you could say it's an imperative that we do this. Not just for the leaders. Each one of us are called to consider how to stir one another up to love and to good deeds. The Apostle Paul, he felt this way. At the end of his life, he was able to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And so you might be wondering, well, look at all the eyes in there. Paul's not doing that together. He's doing that by himself. I, 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 I have fought, I have finished, I have kept the faith. But what we forget sometimes about Paul is that he wasn't a lone ranger Christian. He didn't do ministry by himself. He was a team player. And with a couple of exceptions, he always gathered others around himself. You remember the time in Acts when Paul was forced to travel to Athens from Thessalonica. He was kicked out of there, and and as soon as he got to, to Athens, what did he do? What was the first thing he did? He told Paul, or Timothy and Silas, he, he told them to, to join him. Why? Why was that so important for Paul? I mean, was he afraid? Was he afraid they were going to put him in, in prison? Were they afraid what people were going to do to him? Were, were they, was he afraid that they were going to torture him? And, and we know the answer to that. Paul wasn't afraid of those things. Why was it so important for Paul to have around him other believers? In this case, Timothy and Silas. And I think it's obvious. He knew that there's strength in in unity. That if he was going to be effective in serving the Lord and and reaching that town, that he had to stand together. They had to be in prayer for one another. They had to encourage one another. I think not only was the prayer cover important, but... I think the encouragement, the, the support, the accountability that others could give him, he needed that. And just as he needed that, 
So we need that as well. Clearly, Paul believed that God's people would never be effective in their Christian lives or grow strong in their faith as long as they were standing alone. And that's why Paul devoted so many of his epistles to that point. Stand together. Be one in Christ. Talking about our unity over and over and over again. So why is our communion with others so important to our faith? How is it evidence of our our transformation in the blood of Jesus? And I think the first thing that that we see in our passage is we are commanded in this text to not give up meeting together. I shouldn't say it's the first thing, but it's one of the things. We'll get to a number of things in just a minute. One of the churches I was at um, in New Mexico, there there was a man that, that came to church probably about four times a year. He claimed to love the Lord, and once upon a time he was very active in church. His wife faithfully came every Sunday, but he only came four times a year. And I remember going to their home one time and, and talking to him and saying, why don't you come to church more often? Clearly you're a man of faith. Clearly you love the Lord. Why don't you come to church? And he, he tells me, but, you know, I, I am rather busy. And he goes, and besides, I do worship every Sunday. And I says, you do? He, go, he goes, yeah, every Sunday I, I climb up to the top of the mesa and I worship the Lord up on top of the of those rocks. And I told him, I said, you know, that's great. You know, it's great that you find times to do that, but that can't replace coming together as the people of God. And I remember him asking me, well, why? Why is that important? And I told him, well, not only are we commanded to do this, clearly in Scripture it, it tells us, do not stop meeting together. We need that encouragement from one another, but Also, this time in the the presence of God, it has a way of transforming us. Transform us so that we have the heart of Christ. It's also an opportunity for us on Sunday to encourage one another. And not only to encourage one another, but to use your gifts to build up the body. and, And to allow others to use their gifts to build up you. And together, when we're all using our gifts, it's amazing what can happen in a church. The strength that they find. The health. Something that can't happen if we're all doing things on our own. When you stand in communion with others, you find, I think, the best conditions for spiritual growth. Like iron sharpening iron. The Bible describes in another place. You know, I think the thing that a lot of Christians struggle with when they think of meeting together is the idea of being accountable. We don't like accountability, do we? You don't want someone else telling you how to live your life. You don't want to share your life with others, especially if there's problems, if there's struggles, if you're having trouble with your kids. You don't want to share that with somebody else. You just want to keep that to yourself so everyone else kind of thinks that everything is great in your life. But it's a lie, isn't it? We need that time with other believers to encourage each other, support each other, share what's on our hearts, and even times confess what we're struggling with personally. Is that scary to do that? You bet it is. But when you trust the group that you're with, whether it be a small group, whether it be a Bible study, 
It's in those groups that we find those moments where we can encourage each other and lift each other up and pray for each other. We can't do it alone. You know, one blessing that came from COVID, and it happened even here at this church, is that our services um, started to go online, either live stream or, or for many churches, um, they were able to uh, at least um, tape them and, and suddenly be able to show their congregation um, the service. It, it's a, something that a lot of churches couldn't do before. But you know what thousands of churches across the U.S. are struggling with right now? A lot of those Christians never came back from COVID. They're, they're still sitting at home in their pajamas eating breakfast, watching TV, watching the service, but they're comfortable at home. Plus, they don't have to be accountable to anyone. There's no one to ask them to do anything. Well, this can be a blessing when you're sick. And it was a blessing definitely through COVID. Yet to get into the habit of not coming to church, it ends up bringing you down spiritually. It ends up making you weak. You miss out on the blessings that can be found in worshiping God and worshiping God together as a communion of saints. You miss out on being encouraged by others and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Once a week, it's not going to cut it. Do you think you're going to grow in your faith and just come here once a week? This could be tough. Because we need one another. And when you're not coming to church at all and you're just sitting at home, it's tough. Because we need one another to encourage us. We need to be in the presence of God as well in church. Why are these things so important? Well, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 3.12. So you might not fall into the unbelief of sin. That's what the author of Hebrews says. Why do we need to do these things? Chapter 3, verse 12. So you might not fall into the unbelief of sin. So that you might not be led astray by the world you live in. So you might not allow your hearts to become hardened. This is why the writer of Hebrews says you mustn't get into the habit of not meeting together as some Christians were doing back then. But you must make it a holy habit. Second, the writer of Hebrews says at the end of verse 25, let, us, let the frequency and seriousness of our meeting increase as the day of the Lord draws near. I don't know about you, but as I look at the world we live in, boy, it just seems to be going downhill, doesn't it? You see things happening that you just shake your heads. You see kids doing things that you never dreamt a kid would do. They would do before. You hear of of fighting. You hear of wars, rumors of wars, the lack of morality. Turn on the TV and you see what advertisers are doing, selling their products by promoting sex. You know, when you see all that, you can't help but think the day of the Lord, it's coming soon. It's drawing near. Look at the face of evil. Look at the Christians that are being persecuted for their faith, especially in, the, in third world countries. Think of what's happening to Christians 
in Muslim countries. Think of the things going on there that people are killed if they profess their faith in Jesus. They have children being taken away from moms and dads for that very reason. When right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right, I think as a nation, we know we're in trouble. And we see that going on in our world today, even in our own nation. You know, there's many passages in the Bible that speak of the increase of evil in the end times. And when those days draw near, it's going to become harder and harder to stand in faith. Reminds me of Matthew 24, 11. In the last days, it says men's hearts, men and women, their hearts are going to grow cold. Their love for Jesus, it's going to grow cold. See, Satan knows he's going to lose. Satan knows he's been defeated. That's what the cross was all about, right? So he's doing everything in his power to divide us, trying to tear down our faith. And this is something we need to fight against. And we can't just do it by ourselves, but we need to do it together. Finally, the third thing we can do is battle unbelief together. To battle unbelief together is to stir one another up with love and good deeds. Too many Christians, they they think of their faith as something that just happens by itself. The longer you know the Lord, it just kind of happens. And while there are times where our faith is spontaneous, it, it, it just grows because we have the Spirit at work within us, I think it would be more true to say that we have to plan for it. We have to be intentional about it. It's like a good marriage. You've got to be intentional at it, right? As soon as you put your marriage on the back burner and think it's, it's fine, you don't really have to pay attention to it anymore. You don't really have to date anymore. What's going to happen to your, your relationship? It's going to go south, right? You're going to be in trouble. You've got to be intentional about your marriage. You've got to be intentional and work at it. Just to have the same thing as having a healthy family. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to plan for it. Plan to do things together. Devotions. As soon as you just think it will happen by itself, you're a good person, and so it'll just happen. You're, you're mistaken. It's the same with our faith. We have to be intentional about it. You can't just give in. You just can't give it your, your uh, whatever time you have left over at the end of your day. That, it, it ain't going to cut it. But we have to be intentional. You need a faith community where God's people stand together where God's people encourage each other, where God's people pray for each other. You need to not only allow others to encourage you in your faith, but you've got to find ways to encourage others. You know, after church, it's, it's fun to be by your friends and to laugh and to tell jokes, and I do it too. But sometimes you've got to stop and look around and say, who's hurting this morning? Who's having a tough time? Who's struggling in their faith? You've got to be willing to love them enough to go talk to them. Just encourage them for a little bit. The little bit you say to them, it, it'll mean the world to them. Even our children, our young people, they need that too. 
The world they live in is way tougher than it was for us when we were younger, I think. The pressures, the temptations that are all around our kids. And we need to encourage them, and not just mom and dad, but we made a promise, all the adults here, that when a child was baptized, we made a promise to them that we would love them and do our part as well to encourage them and raise them up in the Lord. Are you being faithful to that calling? Are you looking for kids to encourage and to love once in a while and just to say something uplifting to them? To let them know that they're precious in God's eyes. That's spurring one another on to love and, and to good deeds. We must stand together in this battle because no one's immune from it. We all struggle with it from time to time. Where does this love come from that enables, enables us to do something like this? Well, I think you know the answer to that already. It comes on the same path that faith comes on. It's made possible through Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his shed blood. And that's what those other let us talked about. And as a result of that, because of what Christ has done, that's what enables us to now love one another, to stir each other up to love and to good deeds. Verse 22, draw confidently near to God knowing our sins have been completely forgiven. How do you respond to that? Your sins have been completely forgiven. God has chosen not to remember them ever again if you've been watching the blood of Jesus. How do you respond to that? Hopefully with your love. And we show that love to God, but another way we show that love is by showing it to others. Gordon McDonald tells about an experience he had on a flight. He had to go to some meeting on the other side of the country, and he sat down in the very back of the plane, and you have you ever been on a plane and you see the kids coming, little babies, and you think, oh, Lord, please let them sit up front. Please, 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 Lord, let them sit up front. And where do they sit? Right in front of you. Well, that's what this woman did to McDonald. Sat right in front of him. And uh, she had two kids with her. And there was only one seat available, so the other kid was passed to this woman who was sitting behind on the other side of McDonald um, against the window. And so this little kid sat right in the middle of McDonald and, and this older woman. McDonald was thinking, boy, I hope these women are on top of these kids or otherwise this is going to be a long flight. Well, it didn't. It wasn't a good flight, apparently. Um, the plane started to go up. Both kids were having trouble with their ears, and so they were crying because of the pressure. And about halfway through the flight, the one that was sitting next to him got sick, and he started puking. And, and the older woman, she was doing her best to love this, this little one and, and to care for all his needs, you know, giving him a drink, you know, trying to keep him quiet, but he was hard to console. And then he started to lose things out of both ends. And because the diapers weren't on very tight, it leaked out all over his clothes, all over the seat. It was on the floor, apparently. And this woman who was trying to help, it was on her, too, on her lap, on her, on her shirt. And she's trying to clean it up, but what can you do at that point? And since it was almost the end of the flight, she just kind of hung on until the plane landed and and all of a sudden, here comes a stewardess with a bunch of towels. I don't know why she didn't bring them earlier, but she finally came with these towels and says, Oh, here, so you can clean up yourself and, and your little one. And the woman says, 
it's not my child. And the stewardess says, what? She goes, I never met this child before. She's covered. And you know what? This isn't my child. I never met this woman or her children before. She goes, but I knew that this is what Jesus wanted me to do. And with that, it hit McDonald. He goes, I'm witnessing sacrificial love. This woman wasn't thinking about herself. She was thinking about this woman and how hard it was going to be for her to have these two children on that plane. And so sacrificially, she just took the one and loved them. Even though it cost her a lot. It was a mess. This is what, this is the love that we're talking about this morning. Stirring each other up to love and good deeds. Do you think that woman was encouraged? You bet she was. I don't know if she was a Christian or not, but to hear that woman say that, it had to make her wonder. Was McDonald encouraged? You bet he was. It encouraged him to be more faithful, that he had to love others with that sacrificial love. And I hope it speaks to all of us too, that this is what the Lord calls each of us to. It's so easy to be so focused on ourselves and our lives and our families and We've got to open our eyes and see the needs of those around us. There are many Christians today who are members of a church, but they're no longer part of the fellowship. You can be a member of a church and not go to church, not be part of any of the activities. Most of them didn't intend to quit. They just allowed one thing after another to distract them until they found themselves no longer part of the fellowship. They no longer went to church. And that's why we must be intentional about meeting together and allowing Christ's love to bind us together and make us one. We need that encouragement each week. Otherwise, our love is going to grow cold and it would be so easy to fall away. Who do you know right now that, whose faith is being tested? Who's hurting? Who's discouraged? Who's been going through hard times? Will you love them enough to place your hand on their shoulder and say to them, it's okay, you don't have to do this alone. I'll help you. We'll handle this together. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, may that describe each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we hear your word a call to love. And it's not always easy, Lord. Lord, we just pray that we might be more loving toward those around us. May we love others, Lord, just as you have loved us. And may we see how important that is, Lord, especially as the days draw near, as the days will soon end, when we're going to see Christ appear. Father, we just pray that in whatever time we have left, that we might be faithful, that we might stand together as a body of believers, and that we might truly be your church. May we love those, Lord, that, that come here. May we love those in our community. And we just pray that through that love, Lord, our, our church might grow. Lord, that many will come to know you as, as Lord and Savior. 
Father, bind the evil one who's working so hard, trying to divide, trying to make people's love grow cold. Love for you as well. Holy Spirit, just work upon our hearts. Enable us to do what we couldn't on our own. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand.